Welcome to the Young Adult in Ministry Podcast, the Yamcast. Yamcast, where we talk about everything the church needs to know and some things you don't need to know about failing forward in Young Adult Ministry. We are starting these monthly podcasts with a discussion about the book, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry. And anything else we feel like. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm from Boise, Idaho. My name is Jeremy, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm from, I'm Chris from Cincinnati, Ohio. And here we go. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, how's it going, Kenny? It's going good. Chris is not with us today. We have to say at the beginning here. He's um, somewhere closer to God, like in a good way. Like not, he's not like in a better place. <laughs> that was really ominous. What's that? What? He's, he's in a better place as in he's, uh, he's in the nature, uh, the nature. Yep. The nature. <laughs> he's off the Facebook and on in the nature. Yep. I saw him post on the Facebook about being in the nature. He is hiking through the Appalachians right now. And so the two of us are so cool. continuing this conversation. And as it turns out, he's around a lot of young adults on that trail because those are apparently the people that are hiking that trail. Yeah. It's been cool to be able to see photos and uh, uh, journey along with him without having to go through uh, all of the exercise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Jeremy. You and I, we could go, we could go join him. That would, that'd be, that'd be awesome. But this is like his thing. Like he's on he's got sabbatical right now. Yeah. So I, like it's, and I'm excited for when when he comes back and the first episode that we're able to record once he's back to be able to to hear about his uh, time and also be able to hear how that informs our uh, continued conversation. He's gonna be like this. He's gonna be like this wise sage, like like forest father that emerges from the wilderness and enlightens us to our our spiritual journey. I mean, he, I feel like he already, amongst the three of us, he already, uh, like is leaning in that direction in, in terms of being the wise, uh, sage for all the time yeah, for us, but even more so after this. That's right. Well, how, how are you doing, man? Like how, how's your family? How's, um, how's church life and ministry going? Whatever else you want to share. Yeah, you know, it continues uh, by God's grace. We continue to be healthy and are, are doing well. And life also at the same time continues to be weird. Um, so at the time of recording this, we just had our first in-person service or um, we, our church just reopened our building uh, for the first time this past Sunday um, here in the middle of July. And it was what we call a watch party. So we filmed different segments throughout the week, worship, um, prayers, um, the sermon, and then piece it all together and then share it live. And so we oh, did watch parties. Um, so that's how we've done it on Facebook Live. We're doing watch parties where people can come. One, for those who uh, really need the... Com- like. Um, really long for the community um, to see other people. And for those who um, don't have the um, access or the practice of using technology to be able to, to worship with us, we've had some members of our church that um, in talking with them, haven't worshiped with us for four months. Um, and so they were able to come and be a part of that. It was a small group. Um, like at all, not even online. 
they don't have like they don't have a computer and so they haven't they haven't been like they um i we've had some who they stop in we're we're open limited on a limited basis in the office and so they stop by every few weeks to to find out when we're going to reopen the building but they haven't like they've just been Whoa. is that a certain there. demographic or is that like multi-generational happening with yeah. with that it's that is mainly um some of the elderly parts of our congregation, you know, we here on uh, university campus, there's also a retirement community. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's several of those um, parts of our church family that live in that retirement community um, that are already dealing with isolation and then everything. Um, wow. is shutting down. And so it's, I think what we've, what we've aimed for as a church, um, what we've said is to, to balance co- common sense with compassion uh, as we continue to make decisions. And so um, one of the things is we've invited people who can still worship well online to continue to do that right now um, for safety, for health. And then that allows us to have the space for those who want to and um, need to come here to be like in order to access our, to be able to worship with us. Um, the only way that that would happen is if we opened our building. And so um, we did that. We'll be doing that for the next several weeks. Um, and then we'll be looking kind of what the future looks like. And here, like in a lot of places across the country here in Nashville, um, here in July, like that's not trending well. So um, I don't know what the future holds for that, but it's like, we're just kind of taking it day by day because stuff continues to to change. So we've got, we've got that at the church with my family. Again, we haven't been, we haven't personally gotten sick from COVID, but my wife and I are both back to work in offices a decent amount during the week. Um, she finally started her job that was supposed to start uh, March 16th, I think it was. Oh, um, wow. Right so at the threshold. Yeah. So it got delayed like three, three and a half months. So she's finally started. Um, but our the nanny that we had lined up for the summer uh, contracted COVID before she started. Um, no. So then our, our uh, <laughs> plan B uh, nanny and babysitter um, was good until someone in her household got COVID. Um, and so we now, we now are good, have a babysitter. Um, everybody who we know who has contracted it has either fully recovered or is in the process of fully recovering, but it's like, it just like is growing closer and closer in terms of people that we know. And yeah. just like compared to a lot of other people, those are minor inconveniences, but it's like, you know, we were over July 4th, weekend we found out about our babysitter um possibly being exposed and we're with all of our family um like my parents especially my father were were you in indianapolis we were yeah Yeah. and so we ended up staying up there longer because we knew we didn't have child care and if we had been exposed in some way which ended up we weren't um our babysitter tested negative and everything and um then we had potentially exposed our family and so at that point, we're like, we're all on the same ship. Um, we might as well spend a little bit more time together and um, until we know for sure what's happening. And, and everything's going in the right direction in terms of health and everything. But um, it just like, it's, uh, I was talking with a, a friend of mine who's um, uh, a, little, a little bit older than me. And he was saying, I think we could just sum up everything right now by saying, this is so frustrating like all elements of it across the board um the the health um losing of lives losing of livelihood the politics everything becoming political and divisive yeah 
it just is all frustrating. So we're we're good. I'm I'm just uh, weary. Um, but there's I mean there's bright points in everything. I was able to see some people on Sunday morning I haven't seen in, in months. We were all wearing masks. We're requiring everyone to wear masks. Oh, that's cool. Shows sure. up and they were thrilled um, to be able to to gather together with a portion of their church family. So. Um, doing well, God continues to be at work, but it's, it's, uh, tiring nonetheless. So, uh, sure. but enough, enough about me. How are, how are you and your family? And, uh, my church is TCC. Your church is also yeah. TCC. So how's your TCC doing? Yeah, man. Well, let me start with the, with the family. Um, you know, I have, a, I have a daughter that's, that's, uh, in college and she's doing research. Um, uh, she's a, biochem major and she's doing research over the summer at the school that's local here. So that's been good. So she's working, got stuff that she's doing during the week and the day. And my 17 year old son, I got, I got one that's a millennial, like, or, or a Gen Z, like she's born in 2000. Right. And then I got these two Gen Z sons that, uh, yeah, learning, learning from things I don't even want to know every single day. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my 17 year old son, he, he had this job just drop, dropping his lap from his cross country coach where he works with a, with a, like a lunch, a free lunch distribution where he goes and helps prep lunches and then they go to city parks and then families and kids of all ages like show up and, and get the lunches. Cause they don't have their, their it's low income kind of provision. Um, and it, he was, dude was just made for this. Like to like, it just, it was cool. I think God really provided that job for him this summer. And then our 14 year old is working through driver's ed hat took him to get his learner's permit at the DMV the other day, man, you know, so we'll have, we'll have three kids driving here in the fall and, and he'll, he'll do the actual driving portion of it with a, with a lady we worked with in the past. But so that's the kids. My wife and I are, we are uh, fully engaged in the gig economy. My wife, you know, is a preschool teacher, but summertime and navigated uh, preschool. How do you do preschool with Corona, COVID, and, and all that? It's, it is next to nigh impossible. So they're having conversations about the fall. Uh, but she's been doing the Instacart, the gro- grocery shopping and delivery for people. And, um, and then I've been doing um, Grubhub um, with, the, with the food delivery. But you know, we, um, I think we found these, these, uh, I don't know what the right word is, flexible or these pliable kind of income streams with those two things that whether COVID goes up or down, people are still going to order, they're still going to need groceries and they're still going to order food from restaurants. And so these are like, these are like, uh, individual contractor essential working kind of seems we found. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, that's encouraging. I think we, we could go a while fully engaged in it, like full bore into it. I think, I think we could go a while and, and be good as I'm kind of waiting on what the Lord does vocation with me next. Um, dude, I've had a couple of really cool conversation just in the personal note here and then transition to church. And, um, but I've had a, a few cool conversations lately about kind of like relational brokering between an organization and churches, um, uh, consulting, advising, like these different things. It's like, Oh, maybe, maybe some of these are kind of a bigger, longer term thing. Maybe some of them are smaller, but like kind of like little monthly 
kind of stipendish type things that, you know, it's, if it's all I was doing, we, we wouldn't be able to, to feed the family. Um, but if I'm doing gig economy stuff and I'm, and I'm, and pursuing those things that maybe that could build over a period of time. some affiliate conversations. Like there's this one guy that I'm friends with from college, but he runs a, uh, it's like an intervention um, service and he's a social worker by, by education, but he runs this uh, interventions 180 and he flies all over the country, people, all different demographics and does like the, substance and behavioral addiction interventions. So he and I have been talking about like a referral thing. I'm talking, I'm working with a web design guy that's created. And this is a same, this is, this is a plug. I'll just tell you this dude. He's a Nazarene pastor in Washington state. It's John Wren that I've talked with about our podcast. Yeah. Um, and then did I tell you what he's built this, this online district toolkit and um, Briefly. an app. Yeah, so six districts are have worked with him this year. And so he he asked me if I'd come on with him and help broker conversations between districts, district reps and him and and see if we can get more going for this next year. So anyway, those are those are some of the interesting things that I kinda like I'm driving food delivery stuff, but all the while I'm thinking about these other things and these opportunities that are like kind of popping up a little bit and like where do I invest my time and energy? And so anyway. Uh, if there's um, anyone that's built for that kind of, of work of being able to invest your energy in a lot of really important fun things, it's you. I, it makes me think I was, uh, I was driving this morning and listening to a worship album. It's called the Hamilton soundtrack um, <laughs> from the, um, from the uh, movie or the Broadway musical. And there's, yeah. have you seen, have you seen Hamilton? Have you watched it? On okay. The- Sorry. I was a little bit slow on that. I didn't quite catch your joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yet. I've heard a lot about it and now I'm tracking with him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, there is. Um, so then when you do get around to wow. seeing it, um, yeah, that was the sarcasm was layered on thick there um, in terms of a worship album. But there is a there is a song in there talking about Hamilton and it talks about how he did all these things. And the title of the song is Nonstop saying, how does he get all these things done? Well, he, they said this man is nonstop. That's what I like. That's you. Like that, that song is written about you of, um, uh, wow. have limitless, uh, energy and enthusiasm for things. Um, I mean, for those who are listening, um, one as an affirmation for you, Kenny, uh, to them, but also just to let our listeners know that like the reality of this podcast and these conversations, um, came out of, um, conversations you, you and you and Chris and I had, but a lot of it is your was your vision and your hustle to um, to to get all the pieces uh, together on that. So that just as an aside to affirm you and um, the soundtrack is really good for the musical as well. Well, I'm blushing, Jeremy. Thank you. <laughs> but dude, no, I I, re- I receive I receive the the encouragement and affirmation, man. And I, man, I am not nonstop and and not endless enthusiasm or, or whatever. But I. I get super engaged in stuff and, and passionate about things and pursue it. And man, this, this, this type of stuff just doesn't work without friendships and without, I don't, I, you know, I, you guys, you guys help keep me going. And I just like doing this cause I'm doing it with friends that teach me stuff, you know, and, and we know that that, you know, you know, that that's genuine and we, we share that together, but my church, let me give you just some updates on, on yeah. my church. Like we've, we've been back to in person, but then they, they, they do this registration thing. Like they can have 50 people. And so you register online. And then the first week we, they did like a, they did like a first hour and a second hour. 
but they still streamed second hour. And then they were going to use the, the use centers like overflow if there were more people. As it turns out, people were like, we're going to wait and see what happens. And so this last week, they just went to one hour. Um, and so they just did the 11 o'clock hour live. And that's, that's kind of what they're doing uh, moving forward. Um, I'm, you know, just, just like all of us that are doing young adult stuff, um, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still getting caught up in my old paradigms, which we will discuss later in the single young adult ministry book um, in the last 25 to 30 minutes of our podcast here. Ish. Um, but I, I still get caught up thinking like, what should I be doing or what should I be creating for young adults? Or like, what, you know, what about this idea? What about... And I'm, I'm realizing more and more in my volunteer role, uh, as a young adult ministry director or whatever they call me, uh, I care about young adults and I'm trying to stay in community with them is, is investing in a, the one-on-one relationships whether it's a phone call or a text or um, um, Marco Polo, some of them are into Marco Polo, some of them I've introduced them to. But what I really like about that is like I can do it whether I'm driving, well, I probably shouldn't, but you don't have to respond to that text right away. You don't have to respond to that phone call right away with Marco Polo. You can give a thought, you can give some body language with it, and then they can they can receive it when it's when it's convenient for them, when it's appropriate, and respond to it. So I tried to do these things last week with one of the guys with Ben where I was like, Hey Ben, I'm just going to pray for you quick. I'm going to tag you and Marco, like, like I'm tagging you on Marco Polo. Like, not like a hashtag, like tag you're it. I'm praying for you. Now you pass this on to somebody else. Have no idea if he did it. I got to check with him this week, but I did put out a, I did put out a request. Um, this is actually part of the chapter that we're covering later on, uh, in there. I did put out a request of like, Hey, some, the international rescue committee needs help moving some furniture from, this house for refugees to storage and they need this many people. Are there any young adults out there that would like to be in, you know, involved in that? And Ben jumped on that and he went and helped him last, last Wednesday. I wasn't able to, cause I was working, but um, he went and helped him move furniture. And I don't know if he took a friend or not, but like he responded to that. So I'm really trying to shift my focus from, I'm not facilitating gatherings online. They're not wanting to, none of our young adults are wanting to like they're zoom fatigued. Um, they don't want another cyber connection or meeting. Um, if they if they want to do some type of Bible study, they're going to do it, and they're going to do it in person. Um, some of them are getting together like this coming Saturday, I think, or no, August first, and they're all going boating together. Like, but they did that on their own. Um, that's the older young adults. Some of the the younger young adults, the college ageish young adults, are um, they're getting together. They've gotten together and met in cars separate. They've gotten together and when restrictions have opened up a little bit more and done um, some activities like some disc golf stuff and some things like that. So I'm just really, I'm really proud of them. So what I'm realizing is I'm going to invest relationally in these people that are pulling groups of young adults together because they're just doing that naturally instead of trying to facilitate something that may not feel natural and forced and then check on other people, but know that they're in community with some of these folks. And so I found my role just, it's really more of a relational discipler of just how you doing, not, not a program thing. So um, the church stuff is up and down. Our cases in Idaho are on the rise again because people, we, we phase into, you know, we, we phase up and then people go, Oh, it's over. And then just out doing stuff like, you know, like 
nothing's really going on and and it spreads funny how that happens not a hoax as it turns out yep so that's me and our church and some young adult stuff and i don't know was there any did you get in some young adult stuff with your church was there things that you thought of while i was sharing i'm not sure if i yeah and we're we're continuing to do a like a weekly um, Thursday evening Zoom Bible study. Um, that's not like a large group. It's about uh, ten to a dozen people, um, and it's pretty consistently the same people. Um, half of them local, half of them that are um, that come here for college during the school year. So it's a gr- it's a good way for them to be able to stay connected. But yeah, as you said, like a lot of them, they're finding their own ways to connect, um, or it's um, finding. Uh, again, connecting to our uh, conversation um, when we get to the book here in a few minutes, um, finding ways of connecting them to to missional involvement um, since, yeah, there's not a desire for more programs and there's not a lot of programs going on right now because of the limitations on gatherings and um, and things of indoor things. So being able to find missional opportunities out in the community and in the city. So it's, it's different. Summers would normally be different anyway for young adults and college age young adults, but um, yeah. even weirder than normal right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, continually fascinated by young adult culture that is more native to cyber community and connecting relationally online and through apps and, and um, not email, but, but texting and messaging. But when it comes down to faith community and worship gathering, uh, still hold out for the in-person. Um, we'll probably stream the service may not be when it's live, uh, when it, when it works out with their job schedule or later on in the day. Um, our churches try to do watch parties where you invite people over. And for some folks that's, that's working great. And they're having small gatherings of people in a house Mm -hmm. that are, you know, worshiping together as the church is worshiping live together. Um, I don't know that there's any, the young adults I've checked with aren't, aren't doing that. Um, so it just continues to fascinate me that it's like, native to digital culture, born into it, navigate it easy. I would rather be with people. So thanks church for offering some opportunities, but we're going to, we're going to kind of wait. If we can get together, that'd be, that'd be great. But open up the church because we can with, with precautions. And I I talked to one young adult this week, older young adult, and they just said, you know, um, they're, because of how distance people are from each other and required to be as we go into these worship settings for necessary precautions. I just, I, I don't, that's not what I'm looking for. And it's not a consumeristic statement on their part. They're like, I'm going to connect with people. I'll be in the same room with them. I won't be connecting. I might as well participate online. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a, it was super insightful and, and telling uh, just the realities that we're, we're navigating. So I continue to, to check in. Um, there's, there's, I wanted to check in with you, you know, since, um, since the last time we, we recorded for a podcast, um, there, there has been so much, um, necessary, uh, race relation, uh, um, I don't even, I mean, revolution, reform, reforming, um, 
uh, hopeful reconciliation riots. Lots of R's in there. Um, since uh, George Floyd, and that was at the end of May, and we recorded somewhere in there and got a podcast out close to the beginning of June. Um, I I just started checking in with my with my friends. Um, you know, uh, I've, I've got some some black friends that I go to church with and and pastor friends around the country, and I don't I, I don't know how politically correct or incorrect this is, but I heard somebody, a few different podcasts, some that you've shared with me, Jeremy, other ones that I picked up on um, that I've been listening to more. Um, there's, I hear this, uh, people talk about being uh, people of color and there's black folks and brown folks and, you know, folks of all different hues of skin that, that use that phrase. But I heard a black guy on one of the podcasts I was supposed to go, can we just stop saying that? Like white is a color. We're all people of color. I'm black, you know? And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know which one is more wrong for me to use when I'm, when I'm talking with you. They're my friends. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ, you know? And so I reached out to them, check like, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? How, how are you processing? You know, this, I was, I was just trying to learn and, and glean from them. And I've also heard just some folks go, I'm, I'm tired of being the, the token black person that's supposed to educate white people. That's not my job. You need to educate yourself. That's your responsibility. We're, we're a few hundred years past time. Yeah. Um, and I thought, Hmm, fair enough, you know, fair enough. But as I checked in with you, um, you've been a part of some denominational conversations. You've been a part of local conversations. You've been a part of church conversations where you're processing this on multiple different local, regional districts, national levels. And I just like to hear, some things that you've been learning and, and maybe could share with, with us. Yeah. I, you know, on a cultural level, um, seeing how, seeing what resulted from the murder of George Floyd, um, we're in this, this weird time where we have this, um, I heard, uh, someone talking about it this way that like, um, when you have people who, um, are serving in the military abroad and they go out and they're um, in a war zone. Anytime you leave your compound, you are going out to to fight to fight an enemy. Um, and in guerrilla style warfare, the enemy could be anywhere. Um, and so it's us versus them. And then you go back to your compound and they talk about how very easily soldiers on this that are a part of the same um, squad will get into fights and fist fights because they'll say something or um They'll, they'll point out something that was done wrong when you were on patrol, um, and it immediately puts you from the us category into the them category and into the, the enemy category um, because of this perpetual um, enemy um, that's invisible. We've been in, um, in a similar way faced with this invisible enemy of COVID-19, something that we can't really take out frustration and anger um, at what it's doing and and just ravaging our lives. Um, And so I feel like that before George Floyd's murder was, was, was contributing to all of the divisiveness because people were taking out their frustration on something or someone because we couldn't do it with, COVID-19, the, the virus uh, specifically. Yeah. And then you have all of this happened in Minneapolis and um, 
creates this perfect storm where um, hundreds of years of injustice and um, evil uh, to get brought up in the murder of this one man in a way that isn't just like someone getting shot. It's, it's a long process of him dying um, in which I think in some way just kind of hit our psyche um, a little bit differently. Um, a lot of people who aren't at work or aren't at school with extra time uh, on their hands and a lot of pent up frustration at life. And so it creates this, this story. And so then we're in the midst of, we're in the midst of all of this. Um, and as somebody who um, I married into a family of um, all of my in-laws are my wife's Indian from the subcontinent. Uh, my children are biracial. Uh, some of my best friends um, look differently than me. And as a pastor, yeah. kind of putting all those things together, saying of like, how do we respond as Christians in this time? And not that I have it perfectly perfectly figured out, but I felt like um, you you that I needed to to make sure that I was. And in these conversations, not because I had anything necessarily to contribute, but it's something that I believe is really important and doing what I can to, to learn in the midst of all of this. And so on a local level, on a personal level, um, I think kind of what we're working towards is this um, seeking to, to listen to learn and lament. Um, and so in our services, spending time lamenting um, what has happened this year, what has happened historically for, for people who um, are not white. Um, and then um, to spend time trying to learn. So a few ways we're doing this, this, uh, this upcoming Sunday, um, we're having one of our, uh, black pastors, uh, from, um, the Nashville area that has shared in some of our services over the last, uh, couple months, he's going to be bringing the sermon for this, for this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. a guy you may know, Jacoby, um, Campbell. Um, yeah. Oh dude, I'm going to listen to that sermon. It, I I'm really, really excited. Um, and he's a, a friend of our senior pastor, pastor Shauna and, um, uh, dude, he, that's really exciting. To, he's one of the guys that I reached out to and I was just like, Hey brother, I'm praying for you. And how are you doing? How's your community? And that's, is that this Sunday? That's this Sunday. Yeah. Okay. So it's, I'm going to go to cyber church twice on Sunday. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited for, I mean, and we've, been, we've been a part of, uh, we're in a multicultural, uh, neighborhood geographically or churches. And so we've been invited to be a part of conversations in our community with other churches, um, and with our local, um, uh, public school and are doing, we're, um, out, in, a, in the next week or two, we'll be helping facilitate a conversation based off the, the book by Latasha Morrison called Be the Bridge. Uh, again, trying to listen and learn and lament, um, but also knowing that for people like me who are white, like um, not that we have all the answers, but I feel like we have a responsibility to not uh, be silent um, and to be a part of reconciliation in terms of being Christ-like, what, what would asking the question, what would Christ be doing in this moment and trying to, to follow in that way? Um, yeah. And 
it, you know, it's complicated with, with all of the politics that get muddled into it. Um, but it's, I, I think for me, uh, the turning point in all of it was realizing that in similar ways, what's happening now probably looks like what was happening, uh, in the sixties in different ways, uh, with, with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I wanted to be able to uh, not say that I just did stuff to, to virtue signal or to do stuff, uh, to be able to post it online or to say that I did stuff. But when my kids are older to be able to say that for, for people who are not white, that we're doing everything we can in the church to be a perfect reflection of what, of what our, our God wants the bride of Christ to be, um, and to be able to, um, not be ashamed of talking about this moment in our history when my children are old enough to be able to hear about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good, man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing some. I, I've, yeah, I live in Idaho, (laughs) but, uh, it's not, it's not all vanilla out here in color. Um, and we have more and more folks of multinationality and not just, you know, less and less immigrants and, and refugees like there were, but there are many that live in our, in our area because this was a place that they, that they moved to, but folks that are moving from all over the country to Idaho. And I'm, I'm seeing more and more, um, specifically black folks, men, women, kids, families, and it makes me smile. Because I know that it's our, our community is diversifying, um, uh, and that that that's to me that's a really good thing. Um, and I want to know those people. And I, I I don't, but I can also come off just to anybody as the weird guy that just walked up and started talking to somebody, or you know, like why, why are you talking to me? I don't even know who you are. I I'm I like I like meeting new folks, but I get excited when I see people that I know are from. Uh, just visually, culturally, um, maybe maybe ethnically, from a different background than me, because I think that 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 makes us better. That makes that makes me more human, um, and that's the diversity of of the church and 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 the kingdom. Um, and uh, so I've been just curious of ways that that I can. Uh, be involved, get engaged that are going to be life-giving and that, that, that I'm not virtue signaling, like you said, or jumping on a bandwagon. I've been very, I haven't wanted to post anything because I don't feel like I have that right. Um, I don't, I, and, and, and not, not, not saying anything about anybody else that is, but my impulse is to jump on when things are going and like, and, and just jump on it but I took a step back and like, how do I do this meaningfully? And that's when I reached out to friends. That's when I reached out to relationships. That's when I reached out to Jacoby. Um, and young adults, uh, care about this. Um, not just care about it, but it's like, what's the big deal? Like, why is this even an issue on the other end through my grub, my grub hubbery? Um, I've been in, I was in a restaurant, uh, about a month ago, and overheard a group of older young adults. They were probably older millennials. Um, they were talking about this and I almost said something <laughs> because of how ignorant 
and um, just it was four white people standing in a circle, and and uh, I was not tolerant of the direction of the conversation. Uh, there, there was, I don't know, maybe I don't know. There was just so much going on. It wouldn't have been a healthy response, whatever I would have done or said or or whatever. Um, but I just thought, wow, we really do have a long way to go because they, when you when you diminish someone else's pain and compared to, yeah, you know this is happening with these people, but what about these people? When you start comparing like that and don't just enter into the pain and the lament of, of the hurt of a culture and a community um, and do something about that, I, it made me sad and angry. Um, and I just, I, I also felt kind of paralyzed. Like, I don't know what to do. I think a lot of, maybe a lot of people feel that way. Um, but everything that I read and understand converse with young adults, they're just going, People are people like we need to get over uh, whatever ignorances or naivety or prejudices that we, that we have. Um, but people are people and, and sin is sin too. And, and um, as a pastor and as a parent and, and as a fellow journeyer, um, the only way that I know how to journey well, and that is in relationship by asking questions. So yeah. I'm learning, I'm learning from you, Jeremy. Appreciate that. Well, sustainable young adult ministry. Yeah. Are we going there? Is that where you were going next? Yeah. I, um, real quick, I, I, um, as we're transitioning into that, um, one of the other things that we had, um, uh, we're going to, mentioned in passing is this a uh, business insider uh, article uh, talking about how oh, sure. one in 10 young adults have moved, moved uh, during uh, this uh, pandemic, which I think is um, interesting um, just as it continues to um, re uh, to reformat our lives. I heard someone uh, talk about it this way saying we're now moving from realizing that this isn't just an interruption, um, but that it is a disruption. Like it's, it's not pause and then restart right where we were, that it's changing um, a lot of things, which I find ironic because um, literally the week that we're recording this, I'm closing, my family's closing on a house. Um, it's the first home that we've ever owned. So wow. I'm, I'm exactly congrats, uh, man. Thank you. We're and part of that. I'll, this is the part that I mentioned briefly, and then we'll get into the book, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry. Is uh, part of that is realize um, my belief that this is going to be impacting our lives for some time. And living in an apartment complex with two toddlers is really difficult. And we really wanted a backyard um, and uh, a little bit more space. Um, one so that when stuff becomes a little bit more open that we can be able to host people, um, in our home, but also just being able to have space to not go crazy with our kids. Um, and so it's a lot of different reasons as to, to why that article talking about young adults moving during this time uh, is true, but that's, um, my, my personal testimony, uh, in yeah. of that. So, well, as I peruse the article, I mean, there was, what, when I saw one in 10 young adults are, are moving during the, the COVID pandemic, I thought, yeah, it's college students, but it's, it's really a mix. It's broken into like, you know, 20, 25% um, segments and, and 20% or so are college students. And they've, they've moved, you know, maybe back home with their parents. Some of it's economics based. 
Um, some of it is health related. Like they're like, I got to get out of here. It's not healthy where I'm at. So I'm going to move someplace else for a while. But just in our local, in our local TCC young adult ministry with, with two of the elder, well, a lot of the younger young adults, they, if they're local, they move back home with their families. Uh, if they're not local, they've gone, they've gone back home. Even the interns in our youth ministry, um, going to the local Nazarene university, they're still, you know, cyber zooming in but they're doing it from Washington or Oregon or, you know, wherever they move back to. Um, but I just had a conversation this last week with, with, uh, Cassie, who's a nurse and she's lived in an apartment for a long time for a few years. And, um, we had a young adult that came to, she moved from California to do a, a physical therapy, um, like practicum. And she walked in on a Sunday morning and came into our connect young adult time and I'm like, hey, this is kind of for younger young adults, but we love meeting young adults here. Stick around because we're having a lunch. This was back when we met together with people. Stick around. We're having a lunch. And she stayed. She stayed for the, she came to worship service, stayed around for the Young Adult Connect, talked with a couple of our older leaders, which this was transitioning into the book and the chapters, Jeremy, and, and then stuck around for the Emerging Young Adult Lunch. And then she just became a part of our ministry. Or not our ministry. She, she became a part of our church community. And during when Corona hit, she went back, she moved back to California to be with her family. Hmm. But she's moving back in August to move in with Cassie and they want to rent a house together. So they have more room and Cassie doesn't want to have neighbors around her because she works night shift at the hospital and it's just hard to sleep and get rest in that environment as you know, so well in the apartment. Yep. I've also lived in apartments with my family when we were overseas, but, um, so I know practical examples. This isn't just stats for me, for you, for us, we're either living it or know people that for different reasons are, are, are moving. Some of it's, some of it's health, some of it's economic, some of it's, um, uh, college related and some of it's work situational related. Um, and normal life goes on like life, like life needs go on. I want to move from an apartment into a house. So I'm going to do that, you know? Um, so I don't know. Does that get us into the chapter? Yeah. So last thing I'll say is interest rates are really low right now. So that helps. Um, it's great. It's a great time. So yeah, as we, as we continue in our um, conversation about sustainable young adult ministry, the book by Mark DeVries and Scott Pontier, um, we, in our last episode, talked through uh, chapters eight and nine, which is kind of the pivot um, from the first half of the book, talking about different mistakes that you can make in young adult ministry to saying um, there are some paradoxes um, that you need to be able to embrace and deal with in order to succeed at young adult ministry, succeed maybe being a loaded term, but how do you, how do you engage in sustainable long-term young adult ministry? And, and there's paradoxes uh, to that. So the first one we talked about last episode was that you succeed by being willing to fail um, and you can hear that uh, conversation by going back one episode and listening to that. Um, on whatever so good at this. I excel at failing. You enjoy uh, listening to podcasts on. And uh, today we're uh, moving into chapters 10 and 11, uh, which are two more paradoxes. And so the first one from chapter 10 is uh, focus on young adults by taking the focus off young adults. Were there things from this chapter, Kenny, that, that stood out to you or that you wanted to, to touch base on? Jeremy, you're really good at this. Thank you. <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I just copy and paste it. 
Yeah, well, you you just did it verbally so so well. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm really I like books with pictures in them, and there's this really cool picture in this chapter of yeah. uh, a white blank with um, uh, what are there nine dots on there? Yeah, and like how do you connect these dots together by by using four vertical lines? Maybe our listeners have seen this before, but the way that you do it is not by thinking inside the box or thinking outside the box. And so you draw the lines in a way that they extend beyond the dots. Um, and the whole point of that illustration within the chapter is focus on young adults by taking the focus off of young adults. And, and what, what they point to is um, mission. So what's the mission of your church? And is it, is it, is it succinct and clear enough that young adults know how to engage with that? And, and, this chapter makes me a little conflicted um, because I, I agree with them, but the young adults I'm in community with are already engaged in so, so many ways with the mission of our church. They're looking for community. They're looking to connect with other people. They're already, they're already connected with people older than them in our church. Hmm. They're looking to connect with people that are their, their age. And so how do I apply taking the focus off of them uh, how to focus on them by taking the focus off of them. And I, I, I don't know, I guess for me, it's, it's not, again, I keep, I've said this every single chapter, not trying to create something for them to do, but, but something to do with them, whether that's mission or just encouraging them and coming alongside them. It's encouraging what they're already doing, the missions they're already engaged with. Um, and do and you, it, it, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, do you think, um, with you were talking about within your local church, um, do you think maybe is it that you've already been your church has been able to move past that first step? Like you, you said that you have young adults that are involved in different places in the church, and so then the next step would be creating um, space for community. Does that does that make sense? Like maybe you guys have already engaged this this paradox to a degree that they're already involved in the mission of the church. I mean, I know you well enough to know that engaging young adults in mission is uh, something that's pretty close to your heartbeat. Um, and you do that. And one of the hardest things in the world to do, especially <laughs> if it's the mission that like that you're super interested. That young adults are going to engage in the mission that they're that they're passionate about, and they may they may be engaged in a mission. Um, and it's very much a part of their relationship with Christ, but it's not necessarily a part of a ministry of my church, but they're part of our church community because they want to be a part of a worship community and, 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 and the mission of God through the church. But then how they're playing that out may not be a ministry of the church. It may be in their workaday world. It may be in their, it's not just categorized to the confines, both digitally and, and spatially of the church. Um, and so I, they're all at a different place. You know, it's, it's really, it's, it's really a specified target for how they're in, how they're engaged in Cause what I want to do is I want to take this. I'm going to go, Oh, here's the mission of our church. Now I need to get all young adults involved in that. And the default there is where are the holes that we need plugged because this is our mission that we're fulfilling. And so yeah. we'll use young adults to fulfill that. And uh, if they don't see through that right away, uh, they will. Yeah, I think that's one of the 
the challenges, which is they, they mention it uh, at one point in the chapter saying it's not just about doing programs for young adults, but working with them when our imaginations are captured by their God-sized dreams. So like what you said, it's not just like saying, hey, here's a need to our plan. And we're asking you to just get to, to plug in where we have gaps. Um, and I think that's probably true across the board with volunteerism. But like when you just plug somebody in based off of the need, not necessarily based off of their passions and skill sets, um, sometimes that's necessary and sometimes that's fine. But when you get the people who take the most ownership in a, in a missional engagement is when it's in line with their passions and with their skill sets. Sometimes that'll align with needs. Um, sometimes that already exists. Sometimes it's reformatting or creating new ways of engaging that are still in line with the mission of God and the mission of the church, but it might be creating a new way to do that. And I feel like a lot of our missions are the, the missions that we articulate as churches. People can fit into those in a lot of different ways. We might have some ideas of what that looks like and where, how we want to funnel people, but you know, left to the Holy spirit and in worship community, people tend to find the places that they can be engaged. And I feel like even when I issue a challenge of being, um, I've already talked about this last time too, but there, there's this, this guy that was a chaplain at a secular university that, that I, that I spoke with over the last year. And he really leaned into me hard. He's a, he's a, you know, 30 something millennial leaned into me hard on you have to challenge young adults to missions that are, that are hard. You have to, raise the bar of commitment level. And, and, um, I don't know after the years of recruiting young adults to raise their own funds and give up their summers or semesters. Um, very few are going to respond to that. That is raising the commitment level, uh, doing that in the local setting where people are looking for just genuine community. I feel like my job is, you know, our church's mission is point people to, to um, point people to Christ and invite them to be a part of his mission. That's super vague. I mean, it, you, in my specific life, that can look a lot of ways, but when it comes down to young adults, I want to, I want to get to know them and trust that Jesus is wooing them into his mission. Um, and that, and to trust that, that God is going to use whatever challenges, like I might be preaching this one thing and thinking this should be the outcome, but the Holy Spirit's actually moving in a way that this person's going to respond in, a, in obedience to them. And we count on that, right? We count on that as pastors, um, that, that uh, this isn't just, I'm cooperating with the Holy Spirit. I'm working with the Holy Spirit. So in, inviting young adults to mission, I don't want to be disappointed because they didn't do the exact thing that I thought that they should do, but that when they respond in obedience to the Holy Spirit, that um, and, and take part in God's way bigger mission than, than maybe I'm looking at, but that's, that's success. That's, that's a win. That's, that's their discipleship that I can celebrate and come alongside. Yeah. I was, uh, listening to, uh, interview recently and someone was talking about calling and they were saying that believing our calling as Christians is to love the Lord, our God with all our heart, soul and mind and to love our neighbor. as Jeremy. 
Did you actually listen to the podcast link that I sent you or is this something else? And you're just making me think that you... No, I listened. Uh, you were interviewed on one of your church's podcasts. Uh, episode our only church's podcast, which is our okay. youth ministry podcast, okay. which they... Is it great or what? It's really, really good. I Yeah. I, uh, when you sent it to me, I like I... I was really impressed. And you didn't I, have high expectations, did you? <laughs> well, I wasn't sure because I, yeah, you sent it to me. And I wasn't sure what the context was of it. Um, but it was uh, one, it reminded, reminded me of some of our conversations back when um, I was, um, my wife and I and our family were outside the United States serving as missionaries um, and wrestling with the idea of God's calling. But saying that, like, if uh, one, that it's a really good uh, episode. Um, we should include that in, in the show notes for people to be able to listen to. Cause I, I appreciate hearing your wisdom on that again. Um, but in thinking in context to this is that that is a part of um, if we are supporting and encouraging our young adults to be engaged um, in the work of God, if God's mission um, if, is at work so that people will love him, all of who they are, their holistic being and love their neighbor as their self, that's going to look differently. Um, and it may not look exactly how we expect it to look like as church leaders um, or as churches, but if we're all moving in that same direction, um, then there's a lot of possibility of how we can get involved in that and be able to support young adults. And, and I think that kind of connects to the next paradox uh, here in the chapter in chapter 11 talking about reaching young people by gathering more old people bringing together multiple generations that are serving together like you said doing doing ministry with each other and not to one specific generation there's a song from the the movie selma that uh common uh, the musician uh is a is a sings in and is a part of it and they say we need the the wisdom of the elders and the young people's energy and it's all too easy to for one generation or group of people to throw out others and disregard them if they don't look or respond or act the way that they would expect them to or they don't if they don't if others don't act like the way that I do but reminded that in our differences, there is strength and beauty of the, the church. I think when we are reflecting being the bride of Christ, well, is that we are, our strength is through being together, even in the midst of our diversity. That doesn't, uh, that, that doesn't undercut being unified. It, it can strengthen us. Um, and I think that is a, an important point from this, this chapter that when we're engaging in ministry with young adults, well, we're bringing along people from multiple generations, one to, to provide wisdom and years of experience to those who are younger, but be able to know that bringing multiple viewpoints and skill sets to the table will allow us to go farther together than we would if we just compartmentalize everybody into different ministry areas. Yeah. Well, and I think it makes, it makes whatever form of ministry more sustainable when you have intergenerational, multiple different perspectives, uh, multiple gender, multiple ethnicity, just as much diversity as you can, you're, you're, you're strengthening which the foundation that you're building. So when I launched into young adult ministry at our church as a volunteer, that my, my, impulse was I need to get older. Uh, I need to get thirties, 
40s, 50s, and 60s, maybe 70s, somehow involved with this. And so I'll start recruiting hosts that will we'll all rotate because this will be sustainable for us and hosting on a Sunday, this young adult gathering where they can just drop in, drop out and have some goodies and begin to build relationships. Um, and, and so, and I'm continually trying to recruit for that. It's been, it's COVID doesn't lend itself to that for me very well. Um, but I'm thinking when we do meet together uh, again, that's, that's kind of where I'm going to pick it up and keep those conversations going. Let those be meeting places where young adults, maybe they don't want to meet in their apartment. Maybe they don't meet in their home or a restaurant or whatever, but they can meet in a group of 10 or less, you know, at, at a grandparent or aunt and uncle age-ish type people's house that they're not in charge. They're not leading the young adults. The young adults are coming for a game night. They're coming for a Bible study that they're leading. Um, they're, they're, uh, maybe they're just invited over for a meal or to do the laundry or something, but they've got a space and some people that they know in their, in their church that it's been like, yeah, we can just hang out with people. We'd love to do that. I think that's where some of the cool stuff is going to happen uh, relationally and, and connecting with just the everyday um, connectivity. And that there's lots of natural ways that don't have to be forced like ministry. This has to be structured. It has to be programmatic. Um, for that to happen, um, then, then the mentoring relationships can foster and self-select themselves instead of us, me trying to create a, a program to do that. Yeah. I think talking about how this is a time of disruption, that there are things that have been, um, sped up trends that were already happening. And one of those being that what young adults are looking more for from the church is not primarily content, but community. And we've talked about this on previous episodes uh, of the podcast because we can get content from anywhere, especially now that every church is streaming some kind of uh, material and sermons that while the content of the gospel of Jesus Christ is important, having that community to be able to to work that out in discipleship and in friendship is an, a sweet spot that we can do that you can invite a lot of people into. I'm thinking about uh, a couple that I know that had uh, this time last year said, hey, we have a really big backyard with a fire pit. If you want to bring over young adults and be able to do some hangouts and some get togethers, like we'll we'll help host it. Like they were providing the space to be able to to nurture that community and something like that. I, like as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about it. I should follow up with them because their backyard is really big and would be a perfect space to be able to have a socially distanced you know, fire pit time together to be able to, to gather and have community while also not, you know, throwing safety completely out the window with everything. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think there's, there's ways to navigate it. And again, I want to create a program and then try to get, see if the young adults want to do it. And then as I reach out to our young adults, I'm saying this is everyone's young adults or not my young adults either. I'm, they're my friends, right? Yeah. I find out, oh, they're already getting together. Like some of them are, you know, there's some of the gyms in our area are open. There's a climbing gym and there's a couple of them that are getting together and they're going and they're working out together. There's some of them that are getting together to do outside activities or um, that are watching a streaming service together. There's some that they're already doing that, but I want to connect them to, to those older, those older relationships. So it's a real challenge during this time for sure. Um, yeah. There's, there's, near the end of this chapter, 
in, in chapter, is this chapter 10 or 11 or chapter 11, right? Yep. And this, uh, sorry, I'm scrolling back to the, the title succeed by, no, that's chapter nine. Sorry. Maybe I'm in the wrong chapter here. Uh, chapter 10, focus on young adults by taking the focus off young adults. That was the cool connect the dots. Chapter 11, reach young people by gathering more old people. Um, I think it was in the right chapter. This is painful to listen to somebody scroll through their. Yeah, it's here. Uh, it's it's the R and D department. It's, think of young adults as the as the research and development department. And then a little bit later on, it says, um, "Too often, the the church for young adults is like a first generation iPad. Like, you know, hmm. we tried, but it really can't do what we were hoping that it, it was it was going to do." Um, and I think it's because I'm trying to preload the applications. Instead of saying, hey, what, what, what can you do with this? What would you like to do with this? Where do you want this? Where do you want this to go? Like, what, what are your dreams? What are your, they, they, um, they are the church of today and the church of the future. Very cliche, very true. Um, so what are they imagining that the church can be like today and imagining and hoping for the church to be in the future and to ask those research and development questions of young adults for me is relationship building. So that teaches me, um, but it also, I'm hoping engenders trust of, I'm not just doing it to, to try to get someplace because I genuinely care. I'm genuinely curious. I want to know what they think. Um, and I'm trying to connect them to other people, older generational folks, that it will be mutually beneficial in experience and, and energy and new insights. Yeah, Jeremy. <laughs> for my thoughts. Did you have anything else? No, I think that was good. I was, um, I think the, um, that this is the R&D department, which means that to pull a few pieces together here as we wrap up our time together, that if you approach it like it's an R&D department, that it's not a failure um, if, you, if something doesn't work because you're, uh, you're creating different iterations of it. Um, that, and uh, something that they point out in this chapter 11 here is uh, no project is a failure if it provides an avenue to work alongside young adults and support them. And as long as we're seeking the the leading of the Holy Spirit and we're doing it together, the, what we're doing may not always work the way that we expect. But if we're seeking Christ and what Christ is doing in the world and engaging in that, like we're moving in the right direction and we'll continue to be updating that either because it doesn't work the first time we try it or... Uh, like a first-generation iPad, it worked at one point, but no longer runs at the same speed, especially if Apple tries to slow everything down and move the new one. And so the, the changes in the world... The church never does that, though. The church <laughs> never does that. But the world is accelerating at, at speeds uh, that are bringing us into a... Now, take the analogy farther, into a 5G uh, type of world. And we're gonna, in some ways, we've got to catch up. And so being able to engage this as an R&D approach. Yeah. And that requires bringing in people from across generations and focusing on the mission of God and doing it together, I think is um, is maybe a good place for us to, to wrap up this conversation for this episode as we continue to, to seek, especially during this time of COVID, how to be involved in sustainable young adult ministry.
So let's take this out with our party blessing. We'll just alternate here. Yeah. So until next time. Fail forward. Be present. Be teachable. Be flexible. And try something new. Awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. See ya. See you, bro.